Blog Talk Radio. on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, WCLM in Richmond, Virginia, IBM TV and Big Mind Entertainment. You can see the show uh, there as well. I'm L.A. Bachelor. We thank you for joining us wherever you are. We really appreciate you uh, checking in. want to go to the phones. Always good to have this guy on, this, this uh, great coach. Uh, always good to have him on. He is the uh, head of football coach at Bowie State coming off another uh, dominating win. Uh, no surprise there. He's Damon Wilson. And, Coach, we appreciate you you coming on, sir. Hey, not a problem. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Um, it, it's I, – I don't know what the motivation can be or or the, um, the teachable moments can be after such a win like this. First time you guys shut someone out. I think since Johnson C. Smith, your next opponent, ironically, um, but just dominating uh, from the beginning to end. Um, what do you what you say to your team going in and 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 you know at halftime when you're you know you already up you know a million points at that point? Well, there's a lot of things we could do to get better. I mean, you look at it, we started the game with two penalties. 
uh, on, on our first possession offensively. Uh, so we still have to eliminate the, the, the penalties. We gave them uh, two different first downs on 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 a uh, on penalties uh, later in the game, third quarter. You know, we didn't score at all in the third quarter. So it's a lot of things that we can take from that game and try to get better. You know, in order to, to accomplish our ultimate goal, we have to tighten up in those areas in order to have a chance to be successful in the big picture. As you look at it, though, obviously the game is not played on paper. Um, but certainly, you know, this uh, Livingstone team was uh, struggling coming in at uh, 0 for 3, 0 and 3 coming in, the struggling program a little bit. And so what do you say – again, in terms of motivation going into the game uh, for you guys to get up? Because it's easy for a Bowie State Bulldogs team or someone alike that's as dominating the great of a program you have that maybe can come in and you got guys sleeping at the will. Well, I think one thing we do at the program is just focus on ourselves. You know, we challenge ourselves weekly. We understand the big picture, and we understand that we need to do things better every day in order to, uh, like I say, to reach our ultimate goal. So, you know, we don't necessarily focus on our opponent, you know, going into, you know, from week to week. We focus on on ourselves and things that uh, that we need to do to to have a chance to be successful. And we have a, a good uh, group of leaders that, that preach that to our younger guys every day uh, at practice, and it's something that we kind of, you know, we live by. This team is trying to win a championship. In order to get there, we must, you know, uh, take care of the, the 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 work at hand during the season to reach our ultimate goal. So living someone is part of the overall process that we must go through to accomplish our ultimate goal. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Damon Wilson, head football coach at uh, Bowie State Bulldogs. Um, big shout-out of Livingstone College 49 and nothing. Uh, Two-part uh, question, Coach. Uh, first, you talked about that leadership. Give um, folks who are not familiar with your program, or at least lately, um, that leadership on both sides of the ball, some, some guys that you like to talk about. And we talked about a teachable moment, but you're up 33 nothing at halftime. Uh, is that an opportunity for you to get different looks at guys who don't get as much playing time, maybe get five or ten reps in the game, and they get more playing time to see how they perform as well? Oh, without a doubt. You know, we definitely were able to get some guys in uh, the second half of the game to get this some game day experience so they'll have a reference point for later on in the year when we, you know, when their number may be called to start. Uh, so we definitely took advantage of that opportunity to get some guys some reps. Uh, but with regards to our leaders, you know, defensively we're going to be led by Joshua Pryor, who is uh, one of our defensive uh, uh, captains as well as the you know, the focal point of our defensive line. And then you have Tevin Singleton, who in the secondary is going to try to, you know, organize everything up on the back end for us and, 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 and lead the ball club as a captain. And offensively, we're going to go as far as our quarterback takes us. Jerome Johnson, you know, he's the guy that we're going to uh, lean on to for, for, for uh, you know, to make plays down the field with his arm as well as his leg. And Justice Davis, our center, is a guy that's been in the program five years now that, uh, you know, he understands what we're trying to get done, and his job is to pull the younger guys along. And he, thus far, they've been doing a great job of doing that. But, you know, I, I, I bragged about your success, but, I mean, you know, it's it's been <laughs> as far as, um, you know, uh, the North especially, it's been Bowie State and, you know, and the Virginia schools popping in and out um, and, and coming down with you in Fayetteville State and, and maybe sometimes was to sell them in terms of the championship. You guys could have, should have um, beat Delaware State early, um, a, a game you definitely can win. You went toe-to-toe with them. 
What's been the difference in your program, whether you D2 or your major, your mid-major or major, you guys are just always ready. You always seem to be physical. What's been sort of your, without giving all your, your secrets, but sort of the blueprint of why you've been so successful? I think a lot of it has to do with my staff continuity. You know, I have my coordinator has been with me for for a few years. My office coordinator is only his second year coordinating, but he played quarterback for me, so he understands what you know what we're trying to get done. Uh, and Coach Sewell, my defense coordinator, has been with me ten years now, and and I coached him when he played in, uh, at Bowie. So we have a a great uh, uh, coaching staff that's put together that understands what we're trying to get done, recruiting the right type of student athletes to fit the mold of what we're trying to do. And then the last piece of that is the guys buying into it. You know, doing the right things off the field, getting uh, matriculating the classroom, and then when the ball is kicked off, just play Bowie State football. And that's some physical football for four quarters until the last whistle. I, I think so. That's the, the the key is the coaching staff as well as recruiting and main and, and, and retaining uh, the student athletes and developing. And that's something that we kind of proud ourselves on. And you know, we're we're in here in Maryland, and we got a lot of we got a lot of talent right here in the state. So uh, you know, we don't have to go far to find some guys that can play football. It's just now just uh, teaching them mouse scheme and, and like I said, getting, and making sure they matriculate in the classroom. And, and with that being said, Coach, you know, you, you, you mentioned something that I think some programs, I would just say, uh, or some people get lost in terms of student athlete. You get the right kind of kids in there. How important it is to, to, to get that. And what do you say when you're going in or your 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 um staff you know recruiting going into these living rooms talking with these parents and saying listen you could trust your son uh with me at Bowie State well, at this point, it's not a hard sell. Uh, when I first got here, it was a little difficult just because I didn't have a reference point. Now I'm able to present numbers to the families and show them what our guys are doing in the classroom, what they're doing after graduation, and, of course, what they're doing on the football field. So it's, it's a little easier now uh, than it, when it first was when, uh, when I first started here as the head coach. And uh, I have a great relationship with the high school coaches in the area. My staff has a great relationship with the coaches in there, and that helps as well. They understand that their young men are going to come here, get a good quality education, play football at a high level, have an opportunity to to walk into their career after college as well as if they want to continue to play football. We've had guys play continue to play on Sundays, so you know they're going to get the the the, the complete development of their of their young men uh, when they come into Bowie State football program. If you're just joining us, of course, we're talking with uh, a Bowie State head football. Coach Damon Wilson here on the Bastard News Radio Show and IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment, WCOM in Chapel Hill. And Coach, um, I mentioned the competition you have, if you will, uh, in in the Northern Division. You talk about um, something you may have seen. You haven't played everybody. Obviously, that was your first conference game this past week. But uh, talk about um, some of the the, the talented uh, programs that you will have to face. Uh, uh, this year? Well, you know, this this week here we're going against John C. Smith, a program that just came off a tough loss uh, to Virginia Union, and then we go into what I call the gauntlet. The gauntlet is the, the Shawan, Virginia State, Virginia Union, you know, those three games in a row. Uh, takes a lot out of out of program. You know, they, they, those are three teams that provide that pose different uh, threats to you as a program. And uh, so it's important for us, once again, just to focus on our task at hand. And this week is John C. Smith. And then, like I said, we'll go into Shawan next week. And Shawan is sitting undefeated right now. They're playing really good football. And fortunate enough, I've had an opportunity to watch some of Union um, 
because on the trade film with John C. Smith, because they just played John C. Smith. So we we, we have our hands full um, uh, moving forward for sure. Uh, but I think we'll be in great shape and, and have an opportunity to win the ball games if we focus and play our style of football. I'm going to come back to that game, but um, you mentioned the gauntlet with those three games. I mean, like you said, at Shawan, then – uh, you get uh, Virginia State at home would be a big game. And then, of course, going back to Richmond, take on Virginia mm-hmm. Union when you finish up. Um, you know, what goes into your scheduling in particular? Because, like you said, you play a physical style of football. In fact, a lot of those two, uh, schools you mentioned play that style, and you beat each other up physically a lot. But what goes into put, putting that murder's role, if you will, in, in place, knowing that you, you just got a pound and, and you get after it, and, and it's, it's a physical style of brand of football. Well, it, was, it started with our non-conference schedule. Our non-conference schedule was very competitive, uh, playing Delaware State, and then playing Saginaw Valley and New Haven. And that the goal is to have that prepare you for your conference play. Uh, I have no control over our conference schedule as far as the order we play teams in, but I do have total control over the non-conference schedule. And, and my goal in scheduling a non-conference schedule is to make sure that we see everything that we need to see during our non-conference schedule to have a, give us a chance to be successful uh, for conference play. And also from a national standpoint, in order to, to be a, a, a nationally ranked or or a uh, nationally recognized program, you know, we, we, we must play some tough opponents. And uh, you know, I think we did that this this season with the non-conference schedule, and I think going right into our conference schedule, you know, we, we, we'll get the necessary recognition when it's all said and done that we take care of our business. Yeah, and you took your business at, at um, my hometown of New Haven against – I think you guys play them quite a bit, um, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, uh, you've held your own going to West Haven up there and uh, – and taking care of business. I know, Coach, we have you uh, in our HBCU Sports Media Association, which I'm a proud member of. Uh, we have Bowie State um, in the top three. In fact, uh, you know, Albany State, Langston, uh, right now at, at the top, our poll is going to change uh, as of this week. But, you know, it, you're one of the few that's ranked nationally. Um, right. How important is that? Uh, and 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 I would say more importantly, you. I'm sure you're getting not just the conference best, but when here comes Bowie State, you're getting the non-conference people's best. Right. It's it's, it's definitely a, a a honor to be recognized. Definitely in the AFCA poll and other polls that's around. Uh, but like I tell the guys, it's all about that that the poll at the end of the year versus the poll at the beginning of the year. Um, and I think we're doing a great job, and, and we understand our responsibility to make sure that we uh, uphold uh, certain standards for our university as well as CIAA. So once again, like I say, it goes to that non-conference schedule that we were able to put together and, and make sure that we understand that every week we're going to get the team's best, You know, no doubt about it. Johnson Smith is going to come here this weekend and, 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 and try to – do everything they can do to win the ball game. So you know we must be prepared for those those challenges and those tasks, and just take them one on at one one week at a time. And I think we will be in great shape as long as we do those things. Yeah. Um, before I get to that, the keys to the game. Uh, just uh, a follow up with you know that expectations there. Um, you know, uh, you've been a, a steady Freddie and 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 had the success. You've seen. 
coaches come and go at mid-major and major level, I'm sure. What do you think or how do you think it'll work for the splash-type coaches we've seen in the prime times and the Eddie George's coming into HBCUs? Um, will that, you think, help recruit more, or you think it'll is more of sort of a stepping stone for them to move on? We already heard Prime's name at USC and his alma mater and all this other stuff. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I wish those guys uh, uh, much success. You know, I think uh, if if they're in it for long haul, I think that'd be great for for college football. Period. You know, I don't necessarily look at the difference in in HBCU football or or non HBCU football. They're football coaches, and and a historically black college university is just that, and they have an opportunity to have a, a major impact on our community, and I, and I think that's great, and I think those guys are taking advantage of that opportunity uh, right now. So as long as uh, younger coaches come into the business and put their work in, I think they're going to have an opportunity uh, to coach, but I also think that the things that, um, that Dion and, and, and Eddie are, are bringing to uh, college sports, I think is great. You know, I, I think it's great. Uh, I look forward to seeing these guys have success uh, within their programs and uh you know, and, and, and you know, we, we will support them here for sure. But I think it's important that everybody else that wants to get into the coaching profession totally understands um, the, the process and the work that needs to be put into it. And I think those guys get it. And I think we, you know, we'll see uh, the benefit of those guys. Um, we're seeing it now in some of the, in some ways. We're seeing it right now. So I think we'll continue to see that as well. Mm. All right. And final question for you, John C. Smith. As you uh, said, coming in homecoming and. You know, they, they want to, you know, shock the world you know, on your day, uh, certainly. But, you know, you obviously guys have other ideas. So what's the keys to, to like, five keys to, to, to winning the game? Uh, contro- controlling uh, the clock, you know, time management, I think, is extremely important. Uh, red zone offense is extremely important. Uh, being able to not turn the ball over and create turnovers, uh, it's, it's important to win this ball game, and we, we want to get up early. You know that's the thing. We want to get up early when you're playing against a, a, a team that's just coming off a big loss. You want to get up on them early, uh, just to uh, have them, you know, kind of talking a little bit and second guessing themselves. And I think if we do that, we'll be in good shape to, uh, to win the ball game. Yeah, I, mean, I, I I believe what you're saying. You you kind of get you know get on them early and and take a little bit of that. Um, momentum, I want to say will, but take a little momentum out of it and have the crowd behind you and get the dub. Uh, Coach, uh, in his 11th year uh, at the helm of Bowie State, Coach Wilson, I appreciate you coming on. Um, Much success this weekend and the rest of the way, and I will be in touch, sir. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you. Absolutely. Remember that?
is get it Now tell your friends pop a hit it Then split it in two As I flow with your junior mafia I don't know what the stopping ya I'm clocking ya Versace shade watching ya Once you grin I'm in game again First I talk about how I dress this this And diamond necklaces Stretch Lexuses just a maculate from the back I get deeper and deeper Help you reach the climax that your man can't make Call him, tell him you'll be home real late And sing the break, huh? I got that good love, girl, you didn't know I got that good love, girl, you didn't know Until I handle my biz, there I is uh, Made the pain like Damon Wayne uh-huh. Low down dirty even like his brother mm-hmm. Keenan Scheming uh, Don't leave your girl around me, true player for real Act tough that D You bring your bell, get back from Chanel Baby Ben straight to see me Hyundai XL uh, Fully equipped, CD changer with the cell She beat me, meet me at 12 Where you at? Flipping job, playing card notes While I'm swimming in your women like the Stroke, right stroke, left stroke, what's the best stroke? Death stroke, all down the uh-huh. Nothing left to do but send a home to you, I'm through Can you sing the song for me, boo? I know that Cruise the world with pearls, get a boost for girls. Uh-huh. The envy of all women, crushed linen, caught in your wristwear with diamonds in it. The finest women I love with the passion. Your man's a wimp, I get that for good crashing. High fashion, flying in the all state. Uh-huh. To me, like a man. Uh-huh. Isn't this great? Your flight leaves at eight, a flight lands at nine. My game just rewinds. Uh-huh. Lyrically, I'm supposed to represent. I'm not only a client, I'm the player president. Uh-huh. Welcome back to the show. We thank you for joining us. Keep in mind, if you miss any part of our broadcast, this show, you can go to our website where you're listening live, hopefully, uh, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. You can catch the TV version, IBM TV, uh, and, of course, Big Mind Entertainment on Amazon, uh, IBM TV at 5 p.m. Eastern, um, and, of course, on Amazon, Roku, and Fire Stick anytime at your leisure. Uh, bringing my guests, always good to have them on, uh, from Touring AFC South, the Natural Voice, SportsAwakening.com, and everything else under the sun. He is the General Mike Patton. And, Mike, I appreciate you, bro. I hope uh, you had some uh, some good R&R. And then I I saw um, how you had the uh, – you're blessed with the opportunity to meet Billy White Shoes Johnson and the great Warren Moon. Definitely, definitely, man. Uh... Definitely had a good bit of R and R, and definitely had good conversations with uh, two great uh, football players. Uh, I want to get into 
the MBA before we go in on college. And, you know, we've had discussion. I know how you feel about COVID-19. I know how you feel about the vaccine. Um, NBA players will not be required um, to have to be vaccinated. Uh, and it's one of those things where the inmates run the asylum as opposed to the asylum run the inmates in the uh, National Football League. But what's your thoughts? To me, I think this probably, if not as bad, is probably worse than the NFL, could really stop their season or really hurt a lot of opportunities for some teams who normally make the playoffs that won't. And I'm very surprised at the leadership of the NBA Players Association uh, that they're not pushing this and the NBA not saying, okay, we're going to really come down hard on you if you don't. Well, here's the thing uh, I would say. Um, any league can't necessarily make you get a vaccination, but they can necessarily indirectly make you get a vaccination. Now, the thing is with uh, the NBA that they're not doing this year, they're not doing that in terms of making you get the, the vaccine. But in cities like San Francisco and in New York, where, of course, they have the Knicks and the Nets, you cannot play if, you don't, if you're not vaccinated. So uh, right now, it stands to see that uh, basically um, Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins will miss 41, at least 41 games this year. And with Kyrie Irving, he's going to miss more than 41 because they play against the New York Knicks too. Right. So right now, he's going to miss more of his games. So now it puts the onus on the team. Well, hey, do you want to keep dealing with that? Or do you want to find the talk to your player, figure out whatever? But, you know, the one thing that was more disturbing to me today, of course, today was NBA Media Day, was comments of Bradley Bill. Um, Bradley Bill talked today about not wanting the vaccine, which I get, you know, that's your personal decision. Okay. Whatever. But then he talked about, um, you know, people getting the vaccine and still getting COVID. And then he also talked about, or anybody talking about the adverse reactions of COVID. Well, okay. I get the, the adverse reactions part. But the thing is, has this guy not been taking the flu vaccine in any of his life? The flu vaccine is not meant to not to make him ready. It's not, it's not a cure. It'd be called a cure if it was, you know, it'd be called the COVID-19 cure if it cured COVID-19. It's supposed to lessen the symptoms and keep you out of the hospital, not cure COVID-19. And it just, it just frustrates me hearing them be, sound uninformed. I'm like, when did the vaccine become a cure? It never was. It's supposed to keep you out of the hospital, <laughs> not cure it. And, and, the thing, and the thing is, uh, Mike, it, like you said, it, it's it's really, to me, I'll call it, it's really a stupid, selfish, cowardly way to, to take an approach at this. Number one, like you said, uh, no one said, that this is going to cure. It just helps it from being fatal. You can catch it again. Nobody said you couldn't catch it. If you um, followed, either stop being naive or stupid. And number two, um, like you said, it's just like the flu shot. You take the flu shot, you can still get the flu. Number three, Mm -hmm. if you have kids, you had to get your kids vaccinated. They can't go to school without it. So it's not foreign to your family. 
It's just really ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Wig- Wiggins, uh, I don't know his religious beliefs or whatever. I didn't get all into that. He's claiming it. They denied it. But again, you have a right not to get vaccinated. That's fine. But understand there's consequences to you you wanting to exercise your right. It's like freedom of speech ain't really all, ain't, isn't completely free. You can't yell fire in the middle of a movie theater and think there's no consequences. So if you want to you want to exercise your rights, that's fine, Kyrie. That's fine, Andrew Wiggins. But it's going to hurt your pocket because you're going to have to stay home for a quarter of the season, or half the season. Um, and and I can see more of them coming. Now, I, I don't know, Mike, you, you're closer to it. And you, like you said, NBA um, conferences were today. But I don't know what um, Chris Paul and LeBron's stance on it is. But I would have thought you would have had them more vocal uh, out there. I mean, vocal for everything else. So, you know, I just don't get it. Well, I get in a sense why they are not the most vocal people about it. Because uh, in that sense, um, it's a, it's a it's an interesting topic when it comes to black people in general. Um, of course, you know, the first thing that's brought up with any type of vaccine, of course, the one that was done as quickly as this one, is of course the Tuskegee experiment. That's the first thing that's brought up. Right. Right. So first thing I don't think to brought up is that. Second thing to be brought up is you know oh well you know it's going to be adversely affect us. But what people are missing is that coronavirus is that is adversely affecting us in terms of killing us at a disproportionate rate than it is any other race. And, you know, that's it, it, the people that kill me are the ones that oh, it's man-made, it's this, it's that, and the other. Okay, we can get over where I was made, but we're trying to get past and trying to move past it and, and figure out how we can get back to some sense of normalcy again. And you're not helping. <laughs> you're not right, helping. Right. Like, uh, the guy, like, like listening to guys like, uh, like listening to Buster Rhymes' speech, listening to Teddy Riley talk about it, listening to Eddie Griffin talk about it. It's it's frustrating. It's frustrating because I'm like, okay, well, what is your other alternative? What is your other alternative? And and every time you ask somebody that, it's very few that have an actual alternative to taking the vaccine. Very few. Very few do. And, and, yeah. and the thing is also the other people that that, that, are, that are interesting are the people that say, well, I want to I want to you know do a little bit more research. And you ask, okay, well, where are you going to look? And they can't tell you. Because they don't, they already got their mind made up. No, or they're looking for research that validates what they said. This is basically living in cognitive dissonance. So they, you know they aren't really looking for research; they're looking for something to prove their point right. Basically. Right, right. That's exactly what it is. They people are always going to want to look for reasons to side the way they want to. That's that's part of the the issue. Arguing for the for the sake of arguing. Um, and and it really boils down, I don't want to beleaguer it, but it does boil down to Americans, black and white and everybody under the sun. You are not going to tell me what to do. I'm an American. You're not going to tell me what to do. That's a huge part of it, Mike. They, people in this country think I'm American, you're not, so I'm free. I can stick my chest out. I, the government is not going to tell. The same government that you want unemployment checks from and welfare this and, and all that stuff, you don't, but you don't want them then. When you need mm-hmm. the government, you you take it willingly. But now you want to stick your mm-hmm. chest out. Well, the government's not going to tell me what to do. I'm I'm a man. I'm the, you know, whatever. Funniest you know. part about all this is funniest part about all this is 
you know, I know they talk about, we're talking about, you know, black people and, and, you know, of course, majority of the NBA is black people, but, you know, the majority of the country is, you know, mostly white people. Right. And, you know, it's funny that black people and white people are getting along on something that doesn't really add up. Right. And that's but, the they, but in the end, in the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're going to be the ones blamed for anything that happens, no matter what yeah. happens. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, you know, you know, certain European groups and people can fall back on that, but we can't. They we they still I, want us to leave the country. They still think we're taking their jobs. Dumb black people, and right. I said that. Just dumb. Yeah, just part, absolutely dumb. Crazy part about it is, is that uh, what will end up happening is, if you look at the history books, uh, what will end up happening is, is they'll talk about how uh, a certain percentage of people didn't want to take the vaccine, and they'll probably be talking about us. Yeah. I mean, every every part of history already tries to make us look like, uh, well, they, they always, always talk about how, uh, some people already talk about how slavery wasn't this and slavery wasn't that, and this wasn't that bad, and then they try to prop up Columbus and all those other people and try to hide <laughs> all the things that they did. So, you know, so it wouldn't surprise me if they flip history and say that we did this, that, and the other, but, oh, we came in on our white horses and saved this and did this and saved the world, you know, stuff like that. Right, right. And we get blamed for all the diseases and all the bad it comes there. You're, you're absolutely right. So I just hope these knuckleheads uh, get it get it together for, uh, fairly soon. Real quick, um you know, the Ben Simmons situation, like uh, Deshaun Watson, which we'll get to the NFC South, uh, I don't think he's going to play again for the Sixers. He don't want to be there. And quite frankly, he doesn't need to be there. There's certain guys, Mike, you know this about the NBA, and in the sports period, certain guys can handle big cities, certain guys can't. I think Ben Simmons just needs to do a re- restart somewhere else. He's got the talent, but Philly is all in his head. I really believe that, and and he could be better now. I do question his work work ethic um, in the past, uh, but he just needs to go, uh, and they just need to get the the most out of it. Where do you think he'll go, and and what do you think they'll get in return? Honestly, I had him going to Sacramento at one point, uh, <clears throat> and also I've had uh, you know had him going to uh, Minnesota at one point. Um, those are still two viable options because they have two viable point guards in D'Angelo Russell and Aaron Fox. However, I do think the Minnesota option is probably the best option. The thing is, um, the uh, more he's got to get, get off of being stubborn because he's got to understand you're not going to get exactly what you want for him at this point in time. You're just not going to get it. I hate to tell him, but he's not. And he's yeah. held on to him for so long. He was on the other end of it um, when he got, uh, you know, a whole bunch of chips for it. When he got, got uh, James Harden to come to Houston, he was on the right. other side of it at that point. Now he's on this side of it trying to get what he wants, and now it's not depending out how he wants. But, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately he's going to have to bite the bullet if he doesn't get what he wants. He's just going to have to bite the bullet and accept an offer that's probably less than what he wants, but – it is what it is. It's better to have players that are available than have players that are just sitting there doing nothing. Exactly. Uh, like Kyrie or whatever. And it's going to be the next situation is really going to be fascinating to me uh, with that whole Kyrie. What are they going to do? What 
I mean, you know, he's not the only one, obviously, but that's going to be an interesting situation, how that plays out. Uh, and, and if they have some insurances uh, behind them. So well, the funniest we'll, part, the, 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 the funniest part about it would be, um, here's the thing that I find comical about the whole thing. You know, the players that are always are saying it's a personal matter and personal decision, you notice that one thing that you notice is that it's concurrent with a lot of them. A lot of them are invested. They're saying it's my own, it's a personal decision, things like that. But the funny thing is when it comes to the NBA, if when you're playing in Sacramento or you're playing in New York City, if you can't play and they try to hide it and say whatever, it's going to come out that you weren't playing as you because you weren't vaccinated. It's going to come out anyway, so I don't know why you're hiding it anyway. Just come out, stick out your chest, say what you feel, say what you want. I mean, you know, you can, I can at least appreciate Bradley Bill for doing that, right. saying what he had to say and, and whatever. But, you know, the other stuff, mm, I don't know, the other comments, not so much. But, hey, he at least said, hey, I am, I have access. Instead of the yeah. other ones talking about it's a personal matter, which that, that's, that's driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're just joining us, talking with Mike Patton of Torn of the AFC South and National Voice, com here on the Basketball News Radio Show, WCOM, Big Mind Entertainment, IBM TV uh, as well. Uh, Mike, I want to switch to the AFC and start with the South. And I just can't. Uh, I, well, Tennessee, I just don't know. It's it's like when we talked about this in the offseason, I know you'll you'll still um, stick to your guns on it. I just thought bringing in Julio Jones, losing a coordinator, uh, with that combination was going to make them look a little rough in the beginning and who knows the the whole season. I know their offensive line beat up a couple weeks ago um, by Arizona. Um, I mean, they just pummeled uh, the quarterback. Uh, and I just can't get a feel. The one thing I do still see is that their defense is still very sporadic. Now you got a Carson Wentz or whoever else on the other side of that 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 coin uh, in this game, and they win this game. But it, it it just they just it's something different with this team. Even with Derek with with Derrick Henry running the ball, they just don't look the same. What what's the difference so far? Although they are two and one. They're still trying to find themselves in terms of uh, getting their rhythm it's all in, you know, one one motion. A.J. Brown, he's going to be week to week with a hamstring strain. Uh, as far as Julio Jones, uh, Coach Vrabel talked about um, him being kind of, you know, he started to get tight when he was out there and he didn't want to pull anything. So that's why he was on the sideline in the fourth quarter. Uh, but it's all about them getting on the same page and getting more reps in together. This offseason, they really didn't do so terms of training camp. So, you know, this this part of the season is going to be kind of their time to kind of get each other, get in rhythm, things like that. And uh, another thing you did say about Derrick Henry not being on track, you know, the funniest thing is he has two less carries, but he has 30-some more yards. And it's it's crazy that nobody nobody recognizes that. But, yeah, he actually does have more yards at this point in the season than he did have last season, which he ran for over 2,000 yards. Yeah, I mean, it's week. It was just week three, so I mean, I I, right. I I would be concerned about again, like you said, rhythm. Not just rhythm with the getting the wide receiver on and Henry, but that offensive line. Um, they've right. struggled a little oh, bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, it definitely. The offensive line is definitely. 
interesting. They mentioned Dennis Kelly, who nobody talks about. He was the unsung hero for that offensive line last year at right tackle. Um, Taylor Lewan, you know, of course he got beat up the first game. Uh, didn't make the second game because he he, re, he he did something to his knee before before the game, trying to you know get himself warmed up and ready. And this game he has pretty solid out. But the interior offensive line, especially Ben Jones, he has to be better. Um, I've I've always been the person to say that Ben Jones is in over his head, and they need a new center. But you know, of course, I'm not the coach or the GM of the Titans. So, you know, that, but that's a guy that's a weak link right there to me. And they're still trying to figure out, of course, the right tackle spot. Because, of course, they didn't bring Dennis Kelly back. He's gone. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But, you know, uh, the left side of the line is definitely the strongest with Roger Saffold, uh, former Ram Roger Saffold, and um, Taylor Wan. So that's going to be the strength of their team running to that side of, 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 of the field. And however, you know, they need to work on that backside of the, of the, of the uh, offensive line to get them together. If they can get that together, then they'll get rocking more running the football, which I think they'll get that as the season goes on. They, they've typically shown they've gotten stronger as the season goes on in the offensive line. You know, I think the, 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 the good thing for them, and I'm not downplaying them, is the the the, the, the uh, division they play in. Uh, speaking of uh, their opponent, the Colts, you know, we talked about Carson Wentz. He can't stay healthy. There's a vaccination uh, issue or the COVID issue, if you will, with him and, and other players. What what do you expect from, from the Colts this year um, after seeing them after three games? Honestly, I don't know what to make of their offense right now, to be honest. Uh, they're not necessarily running the football as tough as they did last year. Of course, they're missing uh, Costanzo, which is he retired. He's their left tackle. And right. uh, the guy supposed to be replacing him, Braden Smith, has been injured with a thumb. Um, also, you know, Quentin Nelson actually exited the game Sunday. He had to be carted back to the locker room. Then he walked back out on the field. His foot had to be taped. But he's got dealing with a foot issue. So that's a huge issue. I mean, literally, Ryan Kelly is the only guy that's a stalwart that's in there. So when you're missing those guys, your offensive line is going to struggle. And with an immobile Carson Wentz back there playing on two sprained ankles, there's no way you can you – know, there's really not much you can do. And the plus they're on limited offense now with Carson Wentz not being able to run and move around. And, and you saw it yesterday. He just wasn't able to escape the rush. He had to throw balls away more than what he usually would. Um, and he just had to sit back there in the pocket trying to throw the football, which – that's not necessarily his strong suit all the time. Um, the biggest thing for them, I would say, you get your running back Naeem Hines more involved. He's more of a he's a guy played wide receiver at North Carolina State until it was like his last year and moved to uh, running back. Get him more involved in the running and passing game, and, and you know more situations for him and Jonathan Taylor are in their body, in there themselves until T. Y. Hilton comes back. So right now, you've got one consistent wide receiver. It's been one been consistent the last couple of weeks, Michael Pittman Jr. And other than that, you don't have much more consistent pieces on that offensive uh, side of ball. If you're just joining us, we're touring the AFC South with Mike Patton here on the Bastard News Radio Show. Um, like the other two teams, uh, I, I think they this Deshaun Watson thing is so ugly and so wrong, um, yet it is what it is. Uh, you know, so Houston, albeit even – uh, if if Tyrod Taylor would 
just so snake bitten. Just so snake bitten. If he keeps playing, who knows? They might be two and one or three and oh and one and two. Um, he's out. And then when you look at Jacksonville, you know, Mr. Everything out of Clemson, which we'll get to in a, in a second, uh, is still struggling at quarterback and their defense has been inconsistent. I mean, they, I mean, should we expect this from him in Jacksonville the entire year? Do they how, do they even get two wins this year? And what about Houston? All right. As far as uh, – I'll take Houston first because you, you mentioned about the uh, Deshaun Watson situation. Well, I understand why he's not playing because, uh, of course, you know, you can't injure him if you're trying to trade him. And then secondly, you don't know what's going on in the legal case. So – in that instance, they don't want to put him out on the field and then, you know, then take the bad PR that would come with that. And then technically they don't want to get him hurt out there. So, you know, they're still paying him. So that's the, the positive thing for him is they're still paying him. So they could have just not paid him as well. But uh, they're, they're still paying him. Uh, if Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor would actually end up being uh, – if he would have stayed injured, I, I believe they would have won that game against Cleveland and they would have had a better shot to win the game against the Panthers. However, he, he – Injured again, you know, Houston, hmm, they're not going to do much with Davis Mills' quarterback. The best thing for them right now is to lean on their defense, which is led by former uh, Rams defensive coordinator and Bears head coach, Lovey Smith. Their defense is solid. If they can get any kind of offense, they might spoil a few games this year. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they might spoil a few games. As far as Jacksonville, they're still trying to figure it out, to be honest. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is still trying to figure out the NFL. Um, their offensive line is still trying to figure out how to consistently block. They just picked up a tight end uh, by trading uh, defensive back uh, C.J. Henderson to the, uh, to the uh, Carolina Panthers, right. sending a tight end down to uh, to Jacksonville, which they didn't have any tight ends. I mean, I don't care if you tell me three. But they had Tim Tebow. They had Tim Tebow. I mean, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm talking about tight ends, man. I'm talking about tight ends, <laughs> not names. But uh, you know, they just. To me, they didn't have any tight ends. That's all of their tight end spot, but then they lose a corner. But you know, I'm for, you know, just talking to a few different people and having a uh, having a reporter on my show from Jacksonville didn't seem like that relationship was too good between C.J. Henderson and Urban Meyer anyway. So that's why he's out of there. And you know, it just I, I don't know where they're going to go with that. I mean, honestly, you've got a weapon in the backfield with James Robinson. Robinson. He was a thousand yard rusher as a rookie last year, but yet you failed to give him the football more. Give him the football, balance out your offense, and let your quarterback play off of that until he's comfortable. But no, they want to continue to do everything but that and try to highlight Trevor Lawrence when they, the best thing they could do is give him a running game and a tight end. Now you have both running game and tight end. Use it. That, that's the thing. Defensively, I, I don't, uh, I mean, they can keep trying to keep getting better, but, you know, either one of two things is going to happen. They're going to get better defensively, and they're going to tire out in the second half because their offense is not going to do anything, or things are going to balance out where they're at least competitive towards the end of the year. I, I tend to believe they'll get more competitive as the year goes on, but then again, they may start tuning out Urban Meyer. Final question, uh, and, and, and you're right. I mean, with Trevor Lawrence as a rookie, he's not looking at check downs. He's so used to throwing a ball 50 yards on the field. He's taking what the defense gives you. You can see that. It, he missed a lot of wide-open guys, not just throwing it, but just seeing the field. Um, so that, that's an issue. That's the more reason, like, to your point, run the ball, use your tight ends, 
you know, and, and you have a better shot at uh, staying in the game and let alone winning. Two quick ones. Uh, I want to talk about the um, the uh, Rams game against Tampa and the Chargers against KC. And start with the Chargers of KC. I thought the Chargers uh, would be better. I thought their whole division would be better. I'm still not sold on the Raiders. Um, but Kansas City and the blueprint's there. Keep it in front of them. Put pressure up the middle on on um, Patrick Mahomes, and and take your chances. I mean, you know, they don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver now, um, but you know they still got Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and all that stuff. But they, you know, the defense, the blueprint, it seems keep everything in front of you. None know, of those home run shots. Uh, you know, Kelsey and and Tyreek are gonna get theirs. Keep it in front of you as much as you can and try to put pressure on Mahomes, and the Chargers did that. Gotcha. Yeah, they did definitely. And the thing also they did is they forced a lot of turnovers. Like you saw Mahomes throw a no-look pass. It hit the guy right in his hands. He just dropped it. Went right through him, and they see, you know, the Chargers and Sante Samuel Jr., which is crazy. I remember watching the dad play. But anyway, um, he catches the, the interception. Then another one just bounces off a guy, too. And I'm like, and they fumble one. That was huge for the Chargers. Their defense was very opportunistic, which that makes a huge difference going against the Chiefs. And they were able to put together enough offense. Now, will the Chiefs have a game like that again where they're that bad offensively in terms of turning over the football? Don't know. But in that game, the Chargers had their number. And, and you know, I, I suspect that the Chargers will look better this year. Well, I think I, you know, the Chiefs haven't really looked rock solid all year. I mean, Cleveland had them on the ropes again and let them off the hook. Right. Um, and so we'll see. That division, I think, is is uh, a lot better. And then, listen, I, the Rams are my my AF, my NFC team, and for two reasons, uh, they got probably the two best defensive players, at least at their positions, in all of football. Um, I think Matthew Stafford is a huge upgrade at quarterback uh, for them. The only thing, the only question I have is their coach. If he's going to coach not to lose and as a question to win in bigger games, this was week three against the Super Bowl champs. But I, I think because of that and the fact that once again, Tampa is in a COVID rabid state. You see Antonio Brown was out. That's going to hurt them. That's going to hurt them. I think those factors go into it, but, but what's your thoughts on that game? and those two teams. All right. As far as the Rams, I like the Rams. Uh, you know, I, I get everyone hyping up uh, Matt Stafford saying it's an upgrade, which it is an upgrade, but you also forget Matt Stafford makes some decisions that make you scratch your head as well. Oh, yeah. Clutch moments. So, I mean, when everybody's championing him, I wonder what happens when that, uh, when that moment happens. And he uh, throws that interception. Or doesn't come through in the clutch. I wonder how, how that relationship goes. You know, after the honeymoon phase is over, as they say. Um, defensively, I, I think they haven't missed. A, you know, surprised me. I didn't think they would. I thought they would drop a little bit, but you know, with uh, Rain Morris there, they're definitely doing just fine. Glad to see him doing well as a defensive coordinator. Uh, as far as Tampa Bay, their weakness got exposed, which is their defensive backs. Yep. Carlton Davis, he has he has the worst stance sometimes stands straight up. And when he does that, teams can take advantage of him. And then on the opposite side, you have Dean and then I forgot the other guys that they had, but 
I mean, honestly, they just don't have the defensive backs to me. They've got to find a way to kind of camouflage it, fix it, do something. Uh, but they've got to find a way to, to get that together because if they don't, they're going to be giving up a lot of points and getting a lot of shootouts because they have to like, score 30-plus points to win games. And that's yep. not going to be good for them. Even though they're offensively very talented, still it's not going to be a good thing because eventually one day you're going to dip in that bag and the bag's going to be empty. Especially with a, an older Brady. And, and you're right, block that front seven, mm, you could throw all day with them. You could throw all day. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is keep keep that keep the pressure off your quarterback, um, and and you got a shot. Uh, it's just it's ironic. It's only three games, but the Chiefs are obviously in a much better position than my Steelers. But both teams looking up in their division at this point. I don't even want to go into the garbage in Pittsburgh, so we're, we're gonna leave that alone in, in that garbage. Yeah, can you? I'll say this though. Can we pass? Just uh, the uh, only thing you need is to get. Uh, you know, get some holy water and some Jerusalem. Get it to Ben Roethlisberger, and maybe he'll be able to uh, turn back the clock and play Remember the Time. It's not even his fault. It's the organization. <laughs> no, that off the line I've been saying, no, no, no. I mean, on the field, it's his fault, but it's the organization's fault. Five years ago, I've been saying, this guy's got to go. Five years ago. Mm-hmm. And right. and now you go, look at your backups. What, what are you going to do? You hoping to get another Ben in the draft? Mason, Mason Rudolph. I think to be honestly, I, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out why Mason Rudolph is the backup and why uh, why they haven't just made uh, uh, the kid from uh, from the Washington, Washington football team. Gonna, from the Washington football team. I cannot remember his name right now for the life of me. But anyway, Mason Rudolph shouldn't be the backup. He's he's pretty he's pretty good there. Well, I think <laughs> he's got naked pictures of Tomlin and. Um, the Roonies and something's going on there because, you know, they just stick with them. And, and I, unless they just don't want to admit that they, they pick garbage when they didn't, they shouldn't have. Um, but anyway, uh, real quick, going to the, um, the top 25, no surprises really at the top with the exception. And look, I love the brothers that play at Clemson. I do not like Davos Sweeney who said, you know, you don't come play here. You're going to be pumping gas. You know, so, and he, you know what, right now, uh, with their loss at NC State, just can't get it together offensively, uh, which is a surprise. The defense is lights out. Um, but were you surprised that the Wolfpack beat them? Uh, no, I wasn't surprised. I've heard, I heard a couple of people talk about uh, them uh, beating beating uh, Clemson. Uh, so I, it wasn't surprised me at all. Clemson's still trying to find themselves. They don't necessarily have a great offensive line. Um, which that's in turn is going to put a lot of pressure on a young quarterback still trying to learn himself as well. And the running game is non-existent. So basically everything's on a young quarterback, which he's not prepared for right now. I mean, people will say Deshaun Watson was prepared for it and Trevor Lawrence was, but see, both of those guys had a running game. This guy doesn't. The right. defense can be solid, but when the offense can't move the football, eventually that defense is going to, I don't care how right. deep you are. You know, I you see Georgia, you know the Bulldogs, you watch the Southeastern Conference up and close. And the one thing about them is I think – I still don't know. I mean, they, obviously, they're, they're great on both sides of the ball. But, like you said, if Clemson gets any kind of offense in that game, 
they win. Georgia didn't even score a touchdown in that game. You know, I mean, an offensive touchdown in that game. So how, how impressed have you been with the number two team in college football? I mean, I like Georgia. I like the weapons they have. I think JT Daniels continues to evolve as a starting quarterback for them. Um, however, Georgia always has that thing they do. And people are getting on uh, Kirby Smart about it. But it's been going on since Mark Rick. They always have that one game where they don't show up and you don't expect them to lose, and they lose it. So in my mind, I'm still waiting on that other other shoe to drop for them. And what game is it going to be? That's that's where my mind is going right now. Honestly, yeah. that's how I feel about them. Yeah, and and listen, Alabama escaped to Florida. They still got Texas A&M and maybe Georgia, obviously. So um, if, if they don't lose there, I don't think they're going to lose um, at all. Uh, if, they, if those two teams can't knock them off, I think they're national champions again. Uh, but we'll see uh, what happens with that. Mike, before you go, let people know how they can follow you and watch you. And thank you so very much for your time this evening, sir. No problem at all. You can find me on Twitter at MikePatton82. Of course, you can find me on YouTube, touring the ASC South. All my interviews are there. You can't catch the show, which actually my podcast is on all listening platforms, you know, Spotify, Google. Uh, Apple Podcasts as well. And if you do stop through at Apple Podcasts or in the AFC South, please give me that five-star review rating. I'd appreciate it. Absolutely, bro. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's the Bastion News Radio Show. Stay tuned. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedinamerica.org hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. to the show, the Bass News Radio Show. Don't forget, if you miss any part of our broadcast, you can go uh, to the, the website. Hopefully, you're listening to it right now. Uh, TheBassLeNews.Airtime.Pro TheBassLeNews.Airtime.Pro And uh, certainly, uh, you can listen on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn.com, other uh, platforms like that. Want to go to my guest. Always good to have him on. He is the play-by-play voice, UMass Lowell uh, hoops and also uh, owner of Anassas Media. He is Nick Anassas. And Nick, I uh, appreciate you, man. I had to bring you in with some wobble wobble music. You know what I'm saying? I heard that Pete Rock and CL Smooth on the way out. I like that. I'm doing the way. <laughs> Good. I knew you. See, you know, I, you know your old school rap. That's what I love about you. Yeah, I can, I can rock some Biggie or some, some TL, Pete Rock and CL Smooth, and, and you right on it. So. I appreciate that. Right. Um, 
Nick, um, again, trying to figure out this Patriots team. You know, you have this rookie who obviously is going to make some mistakes. But are you surprised, uh, in particular, this particular game, defense couldn't always get off the field against the Saints? Obviously, this kid made some mistakes, you know, in the passing game. And they seem to want to kind of keep it simple with him. I, I think his yards or his pass attempts or yards per attempt is, is – uh, one of the lowers, and then the offensive line seems to be not in cohesiveness. Talk about uh, this game and this this Patriots team overall. Well, we could start with, I suppose, the defense since you brought them up first. Um, it seems like the game plan to attack them is to pound the rock early and pound the rock for four quarters. And it's not necessarily with an idea to keep the Patriot offense on the sideline like it has been in years past, right? Keep Brady off the field, win the time of possession. But now I think the eye is on the fourth quarter to try and get this defense a little bit gassed, a little bit windy. Uh, We saw it in the Miami game where they controlled the ball, they controlled the line of scrimmage, they ran the football in chunks, three, four yards, third and short so that they could sustain drives. Saints did the same thing yesterday. Bringing Kamara early and often. Uh, by the fourth quarter, you know, you got Taysan Hill fresh with legs coming in and then pummeling into the end zone. So I, I think the defense has got to get creative, particularly on third and short moving forward, to try and get themselves off the field and win some of those third down battles. Uh, but it really begins, I think, on first and second down against the run. That being said, on the other side, when they do get the football, we knew it was going to be dink and dunk. We knew it was going to be short stuff. They paid big money to bring in those two tight ends. They have not delivered so far. Neither one played in the preseason. Uh, may or may not have something to do with it. But, I mean, they threw $50 million at John and Smith. And he had three drops yesterday. One of them uh, directly led to that pick six. So, you know, some of the new guys, Particularly, I think the tight ends have got to be uh, accountable. I think James White going down early in that game hurt them because uh, they don't have a second real passing down back on that roster, in my opinion. They got a, a couple of bruisers in Harris and uh, in Stevenson, but, but White was really the guy to work the flat and work the short pass down early in that first half. That, that didn't bode well for that defense either. So it, it, it's, been, it's been disappointing. Um, but as far as X's and O's and an overall game plan approach, this is what we expected. Um, the results, obviously, Patriots fans were hoping for better, but uh, the overall approach with the run game, the short stuff, the heavy tight end stuff, it's been there. Uh, Mac missed a few throws yesterday in some key spots. But, again, there were too many drops, um, you know, just sustained drives, and then you're asking that defense to do a whole lot when they're out on the field for most of the game. So there's, there's really problems on both sides, and the problems on both sides, I think, feed into one another to a degree. You know, uh, is there any concern from fa- fans are going to be fans anyway? Um, and incidentally, as I spoke to another guest, it's really odd to see the Patriots, Kansas City, and Pittsburgh all in last place in their prospective uh, divisions, but I digress. Um but any concerns in particular 
uh, with, you know, the way Belichick is doing. But uh, because the silver lining is, like uh, other divisions, you know, the Bills haven't been lights out. Of course, they won their last couple of games. The Dolphins got two out. And, you know, the Jets are the Jets, so the Patriots are right there in it. Yeah, I have a hard time believing they're going to catch Buffalo, though. I, I think Buffalo looked pretty good. They looked like world beaters on offense the last two weeks. Say what you want about the competition or whatever. But uh, but, but they're going to be tough to catch, especially now that they've got a game. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, I, I think Belichick will, will have a game plan week in and week out, tailored to the opposition. He always does. Um, but, but they got to find a way to score more points. It's that simple. I, I think I think the fans up here have taken for granted that when the football goes into the opponent's 20, that they're going to get touchdowns in the red zone. And when you have Brady up here for 20 years, you know, all of a sudden he's gone and you're settling for three. You're settling for a long three. Okay, not not six, three. And, and I think that, that's been catching up. That was the story in the Miami game. You allow the Dolphins to hang around. And then trying to play catch-up yesterday, uh, you know, with, with, with field goals and, uh, and just not being able to finish the drive in the end zone uh, has really hurt this team. There's no question about it. So, um, you, know, you know, game plan-wise, it's what we talked about. They're going to run the football. Uh, they invested some more capital up front, as we know. Bringing Trent Brown back was a good move. Uh, he's been nicked up a little bit. Um, but, but, you know, they've got to control the sticks, and, and when they get in the 20, they've got to find ways to score touchdowns over field goals. I know it's much easier said than done, but that's a glaring, evident problem there offensively for three weeks. If you're just joining us, talk with Nick Anastas of uh, Anastas Media on the Bachelor News Radio Show, uh, WCOM in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment. Um, Nick, when you look at the I got to bring up Brady, obviously, um, because of the connection, albeit gone. Um, the game against the Rams, you know, the glaring thing, two, there are two reasons why I think the Rams can get to the Super Bowl. One, uh, they have two of the best, if not at their position, uh, defensive players on the squad. Uh, even with their running, running back out, they still run the ball really well. Uh, Matthew Stafford, albeit he'll make some mistakes, is definitely an upgrade from what they had. And Tampa, on the back end, defensively, is is not good at all. And they're in Florida, where the cases are there or the demands of the mask and the vaccines are, are there. You've seen Antonio Brown out for this, this game. So I think those factors... A play in favor for the Rams. The only scary thing is we've seen McVay in a Super Bowl. Um, can he step up and make the right calls in a crucial, not week three against the Super Bowl champions, but in a championship game to get to the Super Bowl? And But your thoughts on, on Tampa and, and the Rams? Yeah, the Rams were definitely the better team yesterday. I, I actually picked them to win going into that game, not to toot my own horn or anything. But I like what they're doing. I like all three uh, levels on defense. I think they've got some underrated linebackers that are pretty good in coverage. They've got a very good safety in Taylor Rapp as well as the two guys you mentioned, Donald and Ramsey. 
Uh, everybody is all they lost so much from last year. I don't think so. The heart of that defense is still there. Um, they've got good edge play. I mean, they're a good defense. They are. They're a top, you know, it may be a top five defense. Um, and then again, offensively, you got a guy who's, who's a veteran now, 12 years, still has a good arm. Uh, he's played a lot of football. I don't care about how many, you know, 0-3 or whatever on bad teams, but he's played a lot of football. He recognizes uh, coverages. He's not afraid to throw things in tight, you know, tight spots, uh, but he does it selectively. Uh, they have good spacing. You know, they can spread the field. The Michelle trade seemed like a good one. He's looked pretty good out of the backfield through three weeks. All they need is, is you know, four or five on a carry, and, and that's all they need is soften that defense up on first down. Um, so, yeah, and, and then Tampa, you know, uh, they, they finally, I guess, were due for a loss. Uh, road loss, loud building. Inside turf field turned into a bit of a track meet at times with one of the fastest teams in the Rams. Um, you know, Brady was on the sideline for a lot of that first half when the Rams built that lead at halftime. They had dominated the time of possession. So maybe that's the formula. Um, you know, again, easier said than done. I've been hearing this for 20 years. Keep Brady on the sideline. Give your team a chance to win. Well, the Rams did all that yesterday and, and got it done. So, yeah, the, the Rams are in that top tier. Uh, I think not just in the NFC, but in the NFL, that they are going to be tough to beat. And say what you want about McVay, he's still only 35 years old, and he's already coached in a Super Bowl. That would be the optimist way to look at it. You know, say what you want. You lost to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Not not bad by the time you, you know, you're blowing out the 35 candles on your birthday cake. Not bad at all. So... I, I think he's he's probably going to be better off for the experience. You're usually better the second time around. This is a veteran group. A lot of those guys were in that big game uh, three years ago as well. So it, it may be a different result this time around with, again, a new quarterback and uh, and more experience up and down the roster, including with the head coach. Yeah, and I think um, uh, Tampa's like Kansas City where um, – and. and uh, in the sense that if you get pressure up the middle on their, their great quarterbacks, you know, you can, you can do some damage. I think the difference um, with Kansas City, the blueprint, is keep everything in front of you. Don't give up the, the home run all the time. You might give up one or two in a game, but not as much. And I think Kansas City's uh, wide receiving core is not as deep. They lost some guys. Um, and speaking of Kansas City, uh, I know you're high on on the Bills, but it's you know Kansas City's been sort of the the you know the standard the last few years. It's certainly with number fifteen there, uh, you know, yeah. are they are they in trouble? Do you think? You know, I mean, I, I still think they win that division, but I do think that that division is better. Although I'm still not sold on Chucky and the Raiders, but I do think their division is better. But is Kansas City in trouble? They clearly let them off the hook. They lost uh, to. A, good Chargers team, and they could have lost to uh, – they did lose to Baltimore, so. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're in trouble. It's, it's too early to say that, but you're right. That division is much better. Uh, Denver is a lot better. I think Teddy Bridgewater was, was a pretty good signing. They just needed a stable hand there offensively to bring a little bit of balance and not give it away. Um. And then defense, you know, they're flying around the ball. They've invested a lot of drop capital. 
Uh, they brought in Patrick Sertan, who's going to be a good rookie corner. Uh, they, you know, they've got pressure on the edge in the 3-4. Denver's a pretty good team, I think. Uh, we know about the Chargers. They proved that yesterday. They're a pretty good team with weapons. And say what you want about the Raiders, you know, they were kind of a tough out last year. They got out to a good start early on. That's why I'm not completely sold either um, because in the second half they collapsed. But they're still physical, and if they're healthy, uh, you know, nobody wants to play there, I don't think. It's loud. Um, in Vegas, again, you got that track star uh, feel to it, environment, with, uh, with one of the premier young track stars and Henry Ruggs to stretch that offense. So when you could pencil in the last few years 6-0 and in the division for the Chiefs, you can't do that anymore. So by default, they're somewhat, again, I think in trouble might be a little too strong of a phrase, but they're definitely going to be in a dogfight, I think, week in and week out. And their problem is themselves. Uh, you know, four turnovers yesterday. You can't you can't win a football game against anybody in the NFL turning it over four times. I don't care if you're the Chiefs. I don't care if you're at home. I don't care if you're at Arrowhead. You give it away four times, you're going to lose. Um, and, and I think that loss on Monday night was a drainer for them too. They blew they blew a double digit lead in the second half. They lost by a point. It was a road game. It was a short week. They come back. I think they may have taken the Chiefs a little bit for granted, and then they come out, and they're not quite dialed in. We saw that in the Super Bowl. I think they took the Bucks too lightly, kind of sleep sleepwalked through the first half, and then by then it's over. So, uh, I don't know. And then, of course, Andy Reid goes to the hospital after the game, so now there's that kind of distraction to deal with. So, so yeah, it's, it's not a good time to be a Chiefs fan right now, but, but far from hitting the panic button just three weeks in. Still there, LA? The other team, Nick, I'm sorry. The other team I can't figure out is the Green Bay Packers. And and for me, I'm I'm just kind of tired of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he does this all the time. Um, he's given advice to Jimmy Garoppolo and all, and they play against each other ironically in this game. The Packers win. Um, you know, I, I just can't figure out who they are. I know what they are offensively, but I don't know, you know, where they go. I know a lot of people picking them to get to the Super Bowl, to the championship game. I'm just not, I know with Aaron, you got a shot and all that kind of stuff, but I'm still not sold on them in terms of their cohesiveness based on off season, current on the field season with Aaron Rodgers and, and management and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and to me, it's it's not really even Rodgers or the management. It's, it's their failure to really field a Super Bowl caliber defense. Uh, I mean, I know they laid an egg uh, the last couple of, of NFC Championship games. Say what you want about the offense. Say what you want about Matt Lafleur. Uh, you know, making some mistakes in key spots, but they haven't really had a championship caliber defense since they won the Super Bowl 10 years ago. I, I think it's that simple. Uh, they've got a pretty good corner, in, uh, a very good corner, in Jair Alexander. Um, but, but they lost Martinez. The Giants uh, signed him, outbid them, and they, they really haven't had an answer in the middle uh, since he's been gone. Last night their edge rusher was out in Zedarius uh, Smith. 
you know, he may or may not be a dip maker, but, but, but they don't have 11 guys that I would call a Super Bowl defense. And I think to get to the Super Bowl, you have to have a Super Bowl defense. You can put up 45 points and win the division and win the divisional round and, you know, et cetera. But, but when push comes to shove, the old adage proves true. Defense wins championships, and that front office, if you're going to blame them for anything, I would say it's not quite investing enough draft capital or free agent capital to make that defense where it should be to really complement that offense, which is year in and year out a top five offense. So until, you know, I, until I get things out on the defensive side, you know, they're going to be good, but they're not going to be great, and they're going to come up short. I think um, they had a, a championship defense when Rodgers beat my Steelers that year. I don't think he's ever had – championship defense, uh, let alone um, a dominant offense line. Speaking of Pittsburgh-Green Bay, that's going to be a marquee game uh, sort of match. A lot of those guys like for Rodgers um, weren't there with Tomlin and the Steelers. That, um, I'm not even going to talk about the garbage in Pittsburgh right now. Uh, so, you know, the irony of it, like I said, Green the Bengals could actually be in first place after they if they beat Jacksonville during Tonight, you know, Baltimore's got a tough one, and Cleveland's got a tough one. Obviously, Pittsburgh's got a tough one. So the Bengals actually can be three and one in first place after four games. It's funny how t- things happen. Final one of the NFL, though, Brady coming back home, if you will, against Belichick. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm sure both guys want to win and want to win bad. They'll talk about, you know, it's just another game, this, that, and the other, all the Shea stuff, but I, I know how big it is for the fans and, and all that, but who has the bigger pressure to win this game? Oh, that's a tough question. That, that's a tough question. I would say, pro- ah, that's another tough question. I, I don't know because yeah, I mean, they, but look, if, if, if the Patriots lose, not only he loses to Brady, he already Brady's already got a one up on the Super Bowl, but he drops to one and three. So right. I would think Belichick. I would agree. I would agree for those reasons. Uh Tom Brady won the Super Bowl last year. The Patriots went seven and nine. Beats him heads up and they're one and three. That's that's almost two nothing Brady. That's you know, that could be checkmate. <laughs> Depending on if we see another matchup down the road or not. Which is not a guarantee as we know. So right. yeah, I, I would, I would, but I'd say there's also pressure on Brady as well. Obviously, right. um, you know he's he's played a thousand big games, but this is another this is another big game outside of the Super Bowl. This has got to be one of his bigger games, just based on the emotion factor. I, I would assume. Now I know he's a professional. He's going to go out there and focus on football, say all the right things all week, and you know probably make all the right throws, etc. But in the back of his mind, there's got to be something at least a little bit different about this one coming up here. Um, and if they lose, by the way, then he'll be hearing that the rest of the year as well. Maybe not in the national media, but up here. That Belichick got the better of him heads up. With probably uh, the superior team being with Brady in terms of talent. Right. Um, you know, so if, if Belichick, if the Patriots win this one, that's, that's a Belichick win. Um you know what I mean? On its surface, at least. Right. That, that's that's where Belichick is going to get you that. There's wins up here before. Believe me. 
Um, if the Patriots win this one, it'll be because of Bill Belichick. So therefore, of there's pressure. There's therefore there's pressure on Brady, I think, as well. I mean, look, they're both ultra competitors. They both know each other inside and out. That's what's also intriguing about this is that not only do these guys, you know, win six championships, but they were together uh, for 20 years. I mean, that's a long time, regardless of sport, regardless of era. Being with somebody, especially a quarterback and a head coach, I mean, you could argue that there's more of a connection between player-coach when it comes to position in any sport, in any sport, you know, at least in my opinion. So this is intriguing on on a number of levels. The fact that they're both coming off a loss, the fact that at least the Patriots, you know, would appear to be in early season desperation mode, you don't want to drop a third, um, makes it all the funner. I I mean, fans should enjoy this one regardless of the final score, regardless of the pomp and circumstance before the game. I think it's going to be a good football game, and, uh, and they'll cover it right Sunday night for sure. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting because, you know, Brady with all those weapons against, a, I think, a solid uh, Patriots defense. And you're right, the genius wins over Brady if he wins, you know. The, stu- the teacher right. beats the student and all that kind of stuff they'll talk about. Real quick before you go, I wanted to touch on the uh, AFC wildcard situation. And you said it all year. It's just been, like, up and down, up and down. Uh, Boston was up. I, I mean, I've I've said Tampa all year. They're the, sol- the most solid, and they have been. They've, they've kind of set the standard uh, lately, at least. Um, but six games left or so or whatever, Yankees, um, you know, in the top spot right now in the wild card. But it's, what, two games, three games separating them between the Yankees, Boston, and Toronto. Uh, Boston lost three in a row, but guess what? They get healthy with the minor league team. Um, uh, they have to play in the Orioles. And then the Yankees got a – uh, a huge, uh, as a Yankee fan, a huge series against Toronto. So, who do you think has the momentum going into these last six games? Yankees, definitely. I think the Yankees team ready to play. And, uh, you know, the Red Sox, look, it's baffling. This team has been baffling all year. Nobody can figure this team out, the Red Sox. They, they are one of the streakiest teams we've seen in a while uh, in, in terms of Red Sox teams. So, you know, you know, all bets are off. I mean, one week the temperature is, you know, they're done. Uh, you know, I was hearing this in early August. They throw in the towel, they're done, good run, you know, they overachieved, but now they're done, blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden they win seven in a row. Everybody's feeling good. Uh, still kind of looking over the shoulder a little bit, but, but, you know, starting to stick their chest out a little bit, and then this weekend happens. So it's been a roller coaster ride. Uh, your guess is as good as mine when it comes to this team. Uh, we've seen them hit some highs. We've seen them click. We've seen them get key outs. Uh, and, and at the same time, we've seen the wheels fall off in the early innings, and it gets ugly. So you mentioned the, uh, the Orioles on the schedule. They beat them. Swept them in three, uh, what, about a week ago or so, a week and a half ago? And right. have to do the exact thing. going to have to do the exact same thing. And that may be – it's always easier said than done on paper. You know, it's always easier to say, oh, you can beat this team three times in a row. That's still a task in itself. I'm sorry. Right. You're still, you know, maybe a baseball player. Winning three games, 27 innings, where you're constantly beating up on the other guy is tough to do. And so to be in a position where you have to rely on that, 
is not ideal. I think the Sox really hurt themselves by, by at least, you know, you, look, you win one. If you win one out of the three, it would have been a lot better position. But, you know, so, so again, it, it's but, – but this is what baseball wants, right? That's why they added the second wild card, to get another team in the market. And, and this year it happens to be four, four of the best six teams in the American League in the same division. So in, in that regard, again, win or lose, the Sox are kind of playing with house money because nobody thought they'd be alive at this point to begin with. Yeah. So, I thought – I thought the uh, game one with Evaldi, I thought game one with Evaldi uh, struggling really set the tone for the series uh, there. I mean, he got pounded around, and Giancarlo has right. been very good. Um, he's been dead red a lot. Uh, so you're, you're right. We'll see what happens. It, I did get someone to ask about the playoffs and complaining that the Dodgers got 100 wins and they're going to be a wild card. And, I mean, what do people want? Like, I mean, he, my Yankees back in the, the, the Mattingly, Donnie Baseball days, they were winning 90, 92, 94 games and not winning, not even making the playoffs. So now you got an extra one. Why, why are people complaining just because the Dodgers and San Fran happen to be in the same division and they both have 100 wins? Because the people who are complaining don't, don't have a very good memory. <laughs> Clearly, uh, you know what I mean. I, I mean that's that's look. It's a it's a dual-edged sword with the wild card thing. It really is. Uh, they, they wanted the three divisions. Well, then you have to throw in a fourth team. I, I understand that. But the, you know where I thought they went too far was the fifth game. Uh, you know the argument for more playoff games is that you have more markets engaged later in the season. I get that, but in my mind, it also waters down. It waters down the accomplishment of making the playoffs. I think it punishes the better teams. It punishes the better teams that have the best two records in the league. By all of a sudden, now they, you know, if the other team happens to be in the same division, like your example this year with the Dodgers and the Giants, well, then okay. Then they're going to have to play the wild card series. It's about seeding and everything else, but. You know, that second wild card team, they could finish well behind the first wild card team and still in a do or die spot knock them off. I mean, is that fair to the wild card team that, that won the race against them for 162 games? So, you know, I, I think they might have won a step too far with, with the fifth team, but, but I don't know. I mean, whatever. Bottom line is, it's, it's a grind, as we know, it's the longest regular season to begin with. If you want to have a couple more teams, you know, play an extra game or an extra two or three games at the end of the year, I guess I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose sleep over it either way. And bottom line is, win your games, win your division, right. all that. Right. You know, go out and win. Right. Then <laughs> you have to complain. You know, Dodger fans. How dare the Dodgers fans complain? They just won a World Series. They've been winning the division. What the last eight years or whatever. So, I mean, really, how about they win some, some more World Series in the eight years that they had it? I mean, what are you complaining about? But anyway, you're right. It's like, whatever. Uh, people are going to complain either way. If they didn't have the extra one, if they did have the other one, it doesn't matter. We'll just have to see what happens. Nick, as always, I appreciate it, man. You be careful driving, and I'll talk with you next week. Sir. That sounds good, L.A. Thank you. Take care. You too.
listen to this tale, we'll be busy. We got happy now. Living is gone. Our money's gone. Our dogs get gone. Dogs of the world unite. Dancing dogs.
Craig Bachelor Jr. And he's Kevin Bachelor. And this is Smooth Smooth Thing. And you're listening to The Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Taste and health. You want both in one cranberry juice? You want Northland. Northland has a kick to it. I like that. It says 100% juice on their label. That tells me it's healthy. Cranberry raspberry, cranberry grape. I love all their flavors. Northland, a great taste and the health benefits of cranberry. Only Northland has 27% cranberry in all nine of its 100% juice cranberry blends. I choose Northland because it fits my healthy lifestyle. Northland, 100% juice, 100% refreshing. I like that, y'all. I like that, yeah, like, I like that, y'all. I like that, like that, I like that.
back to the show. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook at Pad Nation, Pad Nation 2 at Twitter. That's Pad Nation number 2 at Twitter uh, or LA Bachelor on YouTube and Instagram. LA Bachelor, B-A-T-C-H-E-L-O-R. Interested in advertising on the show or having your own show on our network, you can email us at L at LA at Bachelor News Radio Network dot com or LA Bachelor 40 at gmail dot com. Of course, you can listen to the rebroadcast at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Coming up after this show, uh, of course, it's Whisper Softly, which is love songs from 8 to midnight, and then we continue our broadcast from there. Check out the website, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Real music. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This right here, about how love brings special people together.
Why do some people have to be that way? I can't say. 
come down, build 